It's March 28th, 2022, and this is your Ukraine Daily Brief from the DSR Network. I'm Grant Haver. And I'm Chris Kotnor. Our top story today. Over the weekend, President Biden gave a speech in Warsaw highlighting America's support for Ukraine. However, the speech was largely overshadowed by an unscripted moment at the end where President Biden said, quote, For God's sake, this man cannot remain in power, end quote, referring to Vladimir Putin. President Biden and other members of the U.S. government have said following the speech that this does not indicate a change of policy and does not commit the U.S. to regime change in Russia. On Tuesday and Wednesday, negotiators from Russia and Ukraine will meet in Turkey for face-to-face peace talks. While talks have been continuing over video conference, this is their first face-to-face meeting in a week. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky has been laying the groundwork for the meeting, saying, security guarantees neutrality and non-nuclear status were all ready to be agreed to. Ukrainian troops are reporting that Russian forces are deploying white phosphorus against them near the eastern city of Avdivka. While these reports cannot be confirmed, this is not the first time Ukraine has talked about Russia using white phosphorus in the invasion. The chemical is used for a number of reasons in war, including as a way to create a smokescreen for cover or to send a signal to troops. But white phosphorus burns at extremely high temperatures of over 1400 degrees Fahrenheit, meaning that it could burn straight through to the bone if it were to come in contact with human flesh. Video has surfaced showing what appears to be Ukrainian soldiers shooting men who are apparently Russian prisoners in the knees during an operation in the Kharkiv region. Senior presidential advisor Alexei Arestovich said the government is taking this very seriously and there will be an immediate investigation. We are a European army and we do not mock our prisoners. If this turns out to be real, this is absolutely unacceptable behavior. Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister Irena Vereshchuk said on Telegram that Ukrainian intelligence indicated a Russian threat to humanitarian corridors today so they would not be opened. Since the beginning of the war, more than 3.8 million people have fled Ukraine. The Kiev School of Economics have published a piece reporting that the damage caused by Ukraine's infrastructure during the war has already reached $63 billion. They estimate that the overall economic losses due to the war, taking into account both direct losses calculated in this project and indirect losses, Range from $543 billion to $600 billion. These numbers are just another reminder of how costly this war is. Millions have fled their homes, billions lost in economic impact, and too many small individual miseries to count. Now is the time for the world to be thinking about what comes next following peace in Ukraine. We can't just wind down sanctions on Russia and stop military support to Ukraine. If anything, we must expand our assistance to Ukraine as it tries to rebuild. As with the refugee crisis, a failure to plan ahead for humanitarian assistance post-war will mean that we are adding to the immiseration of the Ukrainian people. French President Emmanuel Macron called for restraint in both words and actions in dealing with the Ukraine conflict after U.S. President Joe Biden described Russian President Vladimir Putin as a butcher I wouldn't use this type of wording because I continue to hold discussions with President Putin, Macron said on France 3 TV. 
Turkey and other nations must still talk to Russia to help end the war in Ukraine, Turkey's presidential spokesman said on Sunday, adding that Kyiv needed more support to defend itself. Turkey's economy, already strained by a December currency crisis, relies heavily on Russian energy, trade, and tourism, and since the war began on February 24th, thousands of Russians have arrived in Turkey, seeing it as a safe haven from sanctions. Since the invasion of Ukraine began, over 450 companies have announced their withdrawal from Russia, but some companies have continued to operate in Russia undeterred. The Yale School of Management is tracking such companies and has organized them into five categories that include withdrawal, suspension, scaling back, buying time, and digging in. The full list of companies and categories can be found at the Yale School of Management's website. Canada says it can provide more oil, gas, and uranium to help solve the global energy crisis. As the world's fourth biggest oil producer, it is committed to exporting an extra 200,000 barrels of oil. Its natural resources minister, Jonathan Wilkinson, told BBC News that it would also export an additional 100,000 barrels of natural gas. Canada is limited in how much oil it can export because its pipelines are running near full capacity, but Mr. Wilkinson says sending it via the United States is an option. Russian forces have left the Ukrainian town of Slavich, home to workers at the defunct nuclear plant of Chernobyl. After completing their task of surveying it, the mayor said early on Monday. The International Committee of the Red Cross has categorically rejected Ukrainian claims that it has opened an office in the Russian city of Rostov-on-Don and is facilitating the deportation of Ukrainian citizens to Russia. On Friday, Ukrainian Deputy Prime Minister Irena Vereshchuk accused ICRC head Peter Maurer of taking a, quote, very questionable decision to open an office in Rostov. Such an office legitimized Russian deportations, she suggested. In its statement, the Red Cross said it had no office in Rostov, but was scaling up a regional setup to be able to respond to needs where we see them. Two German states on Saturday said they had outlawed public displays of the Z symbol used by the Russian army in their invasion of Ukraine. The sign has become ubiquitous on cars, on the streets of Moscow, clothing, and across social media platforms on the Russian internet, a trend the Russian authorities are eager to encourage. Bavaria's Justice Minister Georg Eisenreich noted that freedom of opinion is a great asset, but it ends where criminal law begins. Russia's communications regulator has warned Russian news agencies against publishing an interview with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. Zelensky gave a roughly 90-minute interview on March 27th. In giving the interview, Zelensky said he wanted, quote, Russia to know the truth about the war. Russia has criminalized the use of the word war to describe its actions in Ukraine, describing it instead as a special military operation. That's all the news we have for you today. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe so that more people can find the show. If you have a tip or topic you'd like us to cover, please email us at udb at thedsrnetwork.com. Members of the DSR Network will receive an evening newsletter version of the Ukraine Daily Brief. So go to thedsrnetwork.com and become a member to make sure you never miss any of our analysis. If you want more in-depth discussion of these issues, 
Tune into Deep State Radio tomorrow to hear David Rothkoff, Rosa Brooks, Ed Luce, and Corey Shockey break down the latest news. Stay safe and stay tuned to the Ukraine Daily Brief from the Deep State Radio Network.